Yeah, I, uh, I have the world's shittiest internet here in Vegas. So bad, in fact, that I have bought one of those uh, mobile hotspots. Oh, oh yeah? Got a... And that's just a, a redundancy in case, uh, you know, because I can't have uh, people being interviewed then have this internet go down. But it's so bad to download, say, a 30-minute podcast. It takes about an hour. Uh, so I usually end up going to the local coffee store, binge download all the podcasts I want to listen for the day or the week. Uh, and then here I could do text, email, but as long as I keep the bandwidth low enough, I usually can do a live stream as long as I'm not sending out actual video, just audio. And it's worked out so far. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's like when you do these streams, I think it's so much more personal when they can see your face. So. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Look, I don't even get me started. I know everyone's like, dude, you see, why can't you be like Coach Red Pill? Why can't you get your audio quality, video quality up? It's like, well, okay, Coach Red Pill spends literally thousands of dollars on his setup. And he spends scores of hours editing the multiple angle shots and all that. I just do not have the time. And now, especially here, I simply don't have the bandwidth. I can pull off a couple high quality videos uh, back at home in the Northern command. And uh, I can do the video uh, live streaming in Skype, but here it's just forget it. The audio quality, I'd start sounding like a robot if I started throwing up the the video uh, feed. So I, I just issue it. And I, I know, I know people want to see the face. Yeah. You're depriving your uh, fans of your uh, facial facialness there. <laughs> I'm depriving my huge gay audience of my of my face. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the gay audience that is three times as large by estimates of the number of uh, romantic inquiries I've received over the years from both males and females. I do have a female listening audience. I do have a uh, romantically or sexually interested female audience, but they are one third the gay. <laughs> really? Audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, I've probably gotten more dick pics uh, than I have chicks just sending me a picture of their titties or them in bikini or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a close race, but I think the gay guys are winning out because they're more aggressive. They're like, hey, what are you bad for the other? No, I don't. I don't know where you got that idea. No, I haven't changed my mind since the last episode. I'm still not the gays. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a uh, <clears throat> we got well. We got libertarian uh, viewpoints here, and uh, I'm always pro-gay marriage. So, I mean, certainly gays are welcome, no doubt about that. They're just not welcome in that regard, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I read you loud and clear. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know where the hell Rolo is. He was supposed to be here. Let me check the Twitter, make sure I send him the link. That's the only way him oh, and I... it says no. he just joined. Oh, hey, there he is. How you doing, Rolo? Hey, good, good, good. How's the audio on your end? You can hear us all right? Yeah, yeah, fine. Are we doing just audio, or are we live no no uh i i'm at very low bandwidth crappy internet here uh, uh in vegas and oh, is so that where you are? The, yeah i've been yeah. down here this is my fifth year down here oh so you're living there now uh just for winter yeah oh winter yeah shit i yeah. don't blame you <laughs> what holy crap you guys we got a buddy chad and i in common who lives up in Truckee, california yeah and he is just being, are you getting it? Uh, are, are you up in the mountains too? Or are you in the basin? Uh, I am right at the base of, um, of Tahoe. 
if you, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with the area, but like there's a, a way it's called the back way into, well, actually the side way. And I guess to uh, Lake Tahoe, it's called Kingsbury, Kingsbury grade. And uh, I'm technically in Gardnerville, but I'm at the base of Kingsbury grade on the, uh, on the Eastern side of the Mount of, of the Sierras. So I can be in Tahoe in like 20 minutes. Uh, but it like, <laughs> if they get like 14 feet, we get like 12 feet. So, yeah. all right. So you're getting yeah. hit too. Oh man. Yeah. With the, the last, I, I have not been, I've not left my studio or left my, <laughs> my house here for like, there was a time I didn't get out of here for like 12 days. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. All I did, all I did for about 10 of those days was just dig snow and, uh, and just make sure that like my, my propane tanks and everything is I, I live, um, I, I have about a half and a little more than half an acre, uh, where I live here. And, um, and I've got my snowmobiles, I've got trailers. I got, it looks like a power sports, uh, used, uh, used power sports, uh, <laughs> showroom or something out there in the front. But, uh, it, it's, it's digging. It's, it's a lot of digging. And, uh, I have a, I have a snowblower. People say, well, how come you don't have a snowblower? And I'm like, well, I do, but it's kind of like an older one. And it's what my landlords had that I, I that I use, but I'm like, I need to get something else. I, I really got to get something bigger. Um, it's, it was, it was deep. Uh, right now it's not so bad. We've had a lot of rain and so it's washing a lot of it away, but it's going down into the Valley. And so it's starting to work. We're, we're like worried about flooding right now. We're supposed to get another rainstorm tonight. Actually. I'm surprised you don't hear it right now. It, it has been like 8,500 mile an hour wind, uh, winds going through here today and yesterday. Oh, it's horrible. I, yeah. That's what I was going to ask is like, if you got to worry about flooding, are you near a valley or anything? Or yeah. Yeah. Or I'm in the, I'm in the Carson Valley. Um, and it's, it's prime ranch land and, um, Yeah, it's so, just what they don't have enough irrigation to handle it all. There's nowhere. Well, for they do, they they do, but uh, it's it just kind of depends on how bad the winter is. I, I think um, they flood the lands. They actually flood the ranches um, right in springtime just to to get the growth going. And um, it's not there's no farms out here. It's all just cattle. It's it's all cattle land out here. So mm. I'm wondering if I I remember riding out to Reno one time. And I, I took a different route. I went uh, towards the mountains as opposed to the most direct route. And I forget if that's 95. I think the most direct route, you come in east of Sparks and then you cut over on the highway. This, I came up actually through Reno. And I was surprised because when you do that ride, you, well, immediately northwest of Vegas, you start getting exits for Death Valley. I mean, you're in yeah, the, yeah. some of the most desert, desert that ever deserted in the United States. And there's Tonopah. I got a picture of the California mountains way in the distance. They're snow topped. And here you could just see a, a mirage coming off the sand right off highway 95. And then you go another, Oh, I don't know, whatever that is 200, 250 miles North. And then you go in all of a sudden there's like greenery and canals and yeah. ranches. And you're like, where did all the life come from? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a real, Real well, interesting you, area. You probably, there. I don't know if you know about this, but like the uh, the California land, uh, the California Valley, uh, they like fight over water like crazy. Um, and then on this side, Vegas uh, has to fight for their water as well too. Because like when we were having like those droughts and like the the like the big late the big lakes were you know damn near empty. Uh, they were they were fighting like cats and dogs over who like what ranch lands and what farmlands were going to get the water before like Vegas and of course Vegas has all the 
has all the real money. So all the water actually flows into Vegas just so that they can have like the fountain shows that, you know, the Bellagio. <laughs> what? Well, wait a minute. I thought all the water came from Lake Mead and the Colorado river. You're saying there's water. Uh, well, I think, all the way I from think the that, I, yeah, for, for that side. Yes. But like for like, if you go down through Bishop or if you go down through like the California Valley and stuff like that, they are, mm -hmm. they are fighting for it for a while. I would have thought the the Sierra Nevada, you know, hey, what falls on our side is ours, and what falls on your side is yours. Uh, and I, everyone I, has I wish it. I wish it worked that way. I mean, I, I mean, they were like, there's like people like murdering each other because of of uh, water rights out here, and then there's also the the Indian reservations that the uh, that the water runs through as well. Yeah. God Almighty. So, well, anyway, uh, Rolo, if you don't mind, uh, I know most of my listening audience listens to you, but uh, mm. thanks for coming on the show. First sure. time having you on the show. <clears throat> I think it's like the only third time we've done celebrity guest asshole consulting. Ah. Uh, but why, why don't you tell everybody about you? And um, just so both of you guys know, uh, if you guys got to get going, if you guys know you guys are busy, Chad, it's busy season for you, Rolo. I know you got a billion plates up in the air, of which I want to talk to you about because I'm sure. very curious about something. Uh, but, but go ahead, introduce yourself to my listening audience so people know who you are. All right. Well, anybody doesn't know me, are you you were on the Red Man Group. You've been on the yeah, Red I was, Man Group yeah. once. Yeah, that's right. So um, I am Rolo Tomasi. I'm the author of the Rational Mail series of books. Uh, the first one, the Rational Mail, is uh, widely viewed as the uh, Bible of the Red Pill. I'm, I'm sure people know me mostly because of that. Uh, I got two other books that were part of that series, and I've got a fourth one that's coming out. Uh, I hope to have it published by uh, October, the beginning of October of this year. Uh, that's going to be about uh, the Red Pill and religion. Um, the second book was uh, or it, it was a preventive medicine. Um, in that, I sort of spelled out a, a timeline for what guys could uh, expect from women at different phases of women's maturity, like throughout their lives, from like say from like 15 all the way up to 50. And then uh, positive masculinity, I did before like social reasons, like like kind of like how. Um, how the red pill and and by red pill I mean like intersexual dynamics. I don't mean like any p political red pill stuff. I'm that's whenever I say red pill, I mean it from in terms of you know men and women. Uh, and uh, positive masculinity was really about positive masculinity and a return to positive ma or conventional masculinity, and uh, how to be like a red pill parent and um, how to raise your kids. Uh, very. Uh, very in keeping with the upcoming 21 convention, which is coming up in May, which I'll be speaking at uh, in Orlando, Florida, which is the Patriarchs edition of that. It's going to be for men who are married, men who are fathers, men who want to become fathers, and men who are divorced and sort of getting themselves back into the sexual marketplace at middle age um, and, uh, you know, dealing with the fallout of divorce and things like that. That's that's another aspect of the, of the Patriarchs edition. Uh, the main convention that I do is in October, and I speak at that. That's really the only, for a while, that was the only one I was doing, but I will be speaking in Poland um, in the summertime for a European 21 convention. And then the main convention is in October this year, and that's like what we call a red pill summit. It's uh, guys who are from all aspects of the red pill when it comes to intersexual dynamics. And it's something that I've been doing now, or well, this will be the third year that I've, I've done it. Uh, and then if you don't know me already from all of that, I am also one of the hosts on the Red Man Group, which we have every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, we talk about a variety of different things. We have a panelist uh, or panelists, usually about four to five guys who are there and we talk about red pill issues and uh, and again, from intersexual dynamics perspective. Um, 
And I also have my own brand new uh, channel on YouTube, which is uh, Red Pill 101. And that's with myself and Pat Campbell, who is a terrestrial radio show host uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm on his show actually on Friday mornings, but on Sunday afternoons at 4.30 Eastern, that's when I do uh, Red Pill 101, which is kind of like a I don't want to call it remedial, but it's just like if, if for guys who have like questions about my book um, and who have questions about uh, just the Red Pill community as, as, as a community, but also as Red Pill principles, um, I got into I, I started doing um, this show because I had so many guys asking me like these old school questions and who had just picked up my book. And I, I, I think I kind of got to the point where I figured everybody knew what I was talking about when I like would talk about basics, right? Like about hypergamy or I would talk about like, um, so, you know, basics of game or basics of, um, just a uh, intersexual dynamic, like you know, not necessarily all of that, but like, just like, you know, aspects that you could find in my book. And I, I, like I said, I got to the point where I didn't realize that everybody, you know, there's new people, there's, there's an, an oh, influx yeah. of new readers all the time and they all have questions. And so that, that, uh, show kind of sprang out from all of that and it's great because it's nice to come back and like revisit those topics and uh, clarify them a little bit because I wrote the the rational mail was published in 2013 in October of 2013 and all of the material that was in that uh, was the um, the amalgamation I guess of almost 12 years of either blog posts or they were uh, discussions that I had on my old forum, which is uh, the SoSwab forum uh, that I was a part of from really from 2000 all the way up until I, I stopped being a modder in, I think, 2014. Um, but the, just all the, the conversations that we had and and uh, so that's what what built into that. But it's nice to go back to those and look at them because, like, sometimes I I go, what was I thinking? And it's it's, it's weird to read my my books now in 2019. The you know a book that I wrote like say really in 2012, and uh, and then sort of review the the principles or the things like, do I still really think that? <laughs> well, and think think about this just to put things in perspective. Um, 20 years ago, I think what was you just had a kid or your daughter was on the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, (laughs) not only things have changed, but uh, though that generation of boys, I always make the joke as long as there's divorce and single motherhood and feminism, I'm never running out of clients. But yeah, there's a next generation of kids coming along and and the stuff that we could go back dating about 20 years. Uh, yeah, it's all new to them, uh, especially mm-hmm. as they're hitting puberty. You're going on the internet and and starting to search questions, which I right. think a lot of our websites yeah. have been discovered. That's, it's interesting. My my daughter is 20 years old right now, and you know, and she dates and everything. And it's interesting to like see, you know, like there's nothing new. You know, it's like interesting <laughs> to see that how how guys go about like trying to get with girls and. But well, then, not. good. You don't have to come out with a second edition. It's good. It's one and yeah, done. You yeah. don't have to re-revise well, nothing. That's, it's funny because like guys always tell me like I, whenever I'm at the conferences or like whenever I'm just doing any kind of speaking, guys will come up to me and they want me to sign their books. And I look through their books and it's like nothing but like scribbles and like liner notes and like three different colors of highlighters and and the the, the pages are all dog-eared and you know and that's good to see I think you know because it's not the kind of book that you just read once and you put it on your shelf you know you come back to it. It's like a, it's like a living text, you know, like you, maybe you're going through a, a divorce or maybe you're going through something in your life and you go, Oh, what did we have to say about that? So they'll go back and they'll read that particular part of it. And then later on they'll read something else. And, and it's, it's something that you keep coming back to. Like guys will always tell me like, I've read your book like three or four times. I'm like, 
Oh, okay, cool. You know, I hope I hope it in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I wrote my books. I never read them. I, I'm like, I don't ever want to see this damn thing ever again. Yeah. I don't want to work ever again. Hi, man. I have Bachelor Pad Economics right up behind me now. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate uh, it. So, well, now here's the question. Because uh, I need, you're, you're a little bit older than me, and I'm kind of wrestling uh, uh, with the future of the red pill and, and what mm-hmm. I like to call the frontier. Is that all you do? Because you just listed quite a canon of literary and podcasting and terrestrial radio work. Is that all you do? No, no, not at all. In fact, that's, this isn't even my day job. Um, I have been in the liquor industry for going on 20 years now. Um, before that I worked for some casinos. In fact, the only vice I haven't worked for is pornography. <laughs> so I, I, I've worked for casinos here. Um, I've worked for casinos at the lake. Um, I was the, um, creative director for a uh, import export for um, many various brands of uh, vodka, rum, uh, whiskey, um, cachaca. <laughs> you want me to keep going? Um, I, oh, I, wow. I have, you're you're I, making I my point splendidly mm-hmm. because I'm going somewhere with this, not just to introduce you, but you're making mm-hmm. my point splendidly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, right now, well, really for the last about 10 years, I've been just doing brand management and I've been the principal creative for, um, two brands of alcohol, which I don't really want to name right now, simply because I don't know how they would feel about Rolo Tomasi talking about their their brands. So, but, um, but everybody already knows one of those because I, I tweeted out occasionally. Um, but I have, a. I have um, ownership stake in two brands. And so those are kind of my, my babies right now. And uh, I do promotional stuff. And if we do new product lines or anything, I, I've gone from like representing about two dozen different brands to really just boiling it down to two. Um, and then I, I have a, I've always had a, a knack for turning my primary revenue stream into my secondary revenue stream while I move on to a new primary stream. And so um, my, my, my work in liquor right now is kind of, I don't want to say it's taking a back seat, but it's about even with what I'm doing in the manosphere right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I right around my, my, I just turned 50 last year and uh, right about that time, I'm like, what do I really want to do? You know, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do? I, do I want to be, you know, do I want to be Rolo Tomasi, the, the liquor mogul, or do I want to be Rolo Tomasi? Who's like helping guys out. Or like when I go, when I'm, I'm in the grave, you know, I'm, I don't have any more good years I have. Right. I'm, I hope I have a few, but, mm. um, but I, I am beginning to, well, I finally recognize that my books and what I'm doing in the manosphere is having a, a really lasting social impact and uh, so I wanted to pursue that. And I wanted to, to put a little bit more time into that. So I am still doing my my promos, and but I'm I'm doing them probably about a third less than I was before. Okay. And then I'm I'm applying myself like I've got a I've got a my own office now that's not here. It's it's down in Midtown, but uh, it's just so that I can do things, whether that's this or that's other. I I'm kind of like I'm independently employed. I don't want to say I'm not, I'm not independently wealthy, but I'm independently employed. So I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't have to worry about uh, getting doxxed or I don't have to worry about uh, people going, Oh, did you know Roll Tomasi works for your company? 
you know, and like and, damn and right he does that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, like Screw one up. of my, like <laughs> one of the brands that I work for probably wouldn't care, but I I don't want to make that assumption. But the other one, I I don't know. I there's a the thing is is like in liquor, um, there's there's really gender gender lines that are drawn in in the liquor industry. There's like there's liquor that's meant for men, and there's liquor that's meant for women, right? Uh, vodka is meant for women. Like today it's, it's a huge it, the female market for vodka is, is insane. Uh, wine, as you might guess, is really big with women. No. Uh, yeah. No. Really. You um, mean they got to take their medication pills with something? Yeah. I guess yeah. wine will do. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was going to say, how else are they going to take their antidepressants, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> four glasses of wine, boxed wine even. Um, but like, you know, flavored vodkas was really huge in the, uh, in the mid two thousands to the early two thousands. I got in on that at the, at the ground level and I made a lot of money in that. And I don't like there's, I applaud, I mean, people People will probably think I'm a fiend about this. Gosh, you're, you're asking me all. I'm getting all these questions. I never have to answer them on anything else. Um, well, we got I, plenty more. Don't yeah, worry. I was, was going to say uh, when I'm when I'm uh, working in the in the alcohol industry, it puts me out into the field. And that's what I really liked about it is uh, if I have to go do like a liquor promo or if I have to go do a martini fest or if I have to go somewhere, I'm like picking out like the beautiful people. I'm picking out hot women to come and be like booth candy, you know, to, to be there. To, they're basically poor girls, you know, they're there to make whatever the shots are or whatever that, that we're, we're promoting at that time. And good looking guys too. I can't say it's just always, always girls. But um, so I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm working with, I'm working with women, on a, on a constant basis. And then, um, and then I'm dealing with people in social situations. So I might be anywhere from like a, you know, like a, a rock bar to uh, a really upscale uh, art event or something like that. It just depends on where we end up being. Like sometimes I'll go to like, um, I, you probably understand, you probably, uh, have you ever been to hot August nights in, in Reno before, which is like no, the classic I've, muscle cars. I've, now, Rhett, Reno. I've only been, th I've been through on mm -hmm. in route to some other place and I crash there cause it's a great place to crash before you go over the mountain pass or well, something hot, like that. Hot August nights is like this one, it's one week in the middle of, well, it's really the beginning of August. Um, and it's, it's like a citywide gig for people who are into classic cars and muscle cars and, and mostly American cars. Um, and so like, say for something like that, I'll, I might go and promote my, my uh, whiskey brand or something at, at something like that. And then the next day I might be doing something at a club or I might be doing something at like Lex or some of these other, uh, other uh, just basically promotions and stuff like that. So what that has, and the, the reason I'm saying that is it's always put me in the field. I've always been out and been sort of a student of human behavior. Um, and, and in particular, watching guys try to get with girls and watching girls try to get with guys. <laughs> and, you know, and then as soon as the liquor hits them, then the tr it's truth serum, right? That's mm -hmm. <laughs> so that then things are so, so I'm like, I'm kind of out there watching all of this. I've, I'm like sort of like the Diane Fossey of the red <laughs> you know, it's like gorillas in the mist. I'm just watching this human, you know, this behavior. Like, what, what will happen when the male meets the female? <laughs> you know, and and so I'm picking this kind of stuff apart. So people want to know where 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 my background comes from. Um, that's part of it is is just being a, a student of human behavior. And then also, I have um, I have two degrees. I have a degree in uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts, and I have a uh, Bachelor of Science in Behavioral Psychology as well. So that's really where a lot of this came from. Like when I first started out. Um, I was doing peer counseling for guys who were like a lot older than me. Like I was in my thirties and I was doing peer counseling for guys who are in their like sixties. But at the same time I was 
uh, in the seduction communities and learning like why, like say cocky, funny worked or like or so suave that so days, suave, yeah, um, right. you know, the mystery method days. And this, this is like early two thousands. And I was always curious as to like, why, these things worked like why would why would like a neg hit work on a girl right and then so i want i wanted to know what the psychology was behind that because it wasn't enough for me to just like you know turn the tv on and watch the tv i needed to like break the tv down and learn how it worked and like you know pull all the parts apart and then put it back together again because that's kind of like just how i think just creatively and constructively and we're we're not even done there's two major things left on your resume even with all that experience canada work Oh, diversified interest, diversified. So there's two. There's two other things on your resume you haven't mentioned, which would make you preeminently qualified, especially being a an elder statesman of the red pill community. Godfather, right? Is that what they're saying? Well, Not Godfather. No, father and father, father and, and uh, father, uh, and father husband. and husband. Yes, I've been right. married. I've been married for twenty. I'll be twenty three years in July, and um, like I said, my daughter is twenty years old, and I've raised a young woman from the time she was this big till she was this big um and so from like chad size so, to normal human beings. yeah exactly yeah, okay. and so and so um yeah i mean that's that's another thing that, that i like to i like to think that i can talk on a variety of of topics when it comes to uh red pill things um if you want to talk about game i can talk about that if you want to talk about uh, raising kids uh you know in a red pill perspective i wrote a book on that uh, if you want to like people, always say, well, you know, Rolla, you, you just did everything right. You know, you've always been an alpha or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, especially in high school, I was very much a beta. Um, when I, I've, I've dealt with a, a borderline personality disordered woman for a while, uh, in my mid twenties. Um, I was a semi-professional, uh, musician in the late eighties and the early nineties. Uh, and so I've, I've worn a lot of hats. I've done a lot of things. I have a, I have a really broad range of experience to sort of draw on. So if you want to talk about like borderline personality disorder, I can tell you what that's like. Um, I can tell you what being, you know, uh, an alpha semi-professional musician rock star is like, and I can tell you what it's like to be like almost a, uh, uh, what Vox Day would call like an Omega, you know, like just like at the pit of misery, what after my, or actually during my borderline personality disorder girl days and then i met my wife and now things are a whole lot different um just you i, I, I have like to be ward range. cleaver yes yeah ward yeah, ward cleaver ward <laughs> cleaver who sells booze <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well here, here's why why i want not just to introduce people you know the five percent of my audience that may not have ever heard of you but mm -hmm. uh I can't think of anybody in a, a better position because of your wide background experience, not to mention no offense, but your age, because you're a little bit older uh, than a lot of us here. Uh, but I was listening to the Red Man Group, and you were talking about this precise thing we were talking about before, how you you had to, are you Rolo Tomasi, the author or the booze connoisseur slash mm -hmm. supplier and all this other stuff. And there's there's more than that than what you've done in your life. You, you have this wide array of interests. But as you've gotten older, now you have all these other opportunities, some of which uh, offered to you by dabbling in different markets. Some of it also, though, I'd say predominantly because of entrepreneurship and testing and trying and uh, experimenting with new things. Uh, are you 
you're getting fatigued. I mean, you got time management uh, hurdles or challenges. Uh, are there other aspects of your production that are suffering? I mean, how, how are you balancing this all? Because I have a, I have a feeling you don't even have this answer. And if you're at a stage where Rolo Tomasi doesn't have the answer, I and many other people would like to know, okay, well, what, what are, what's your current status? What are your thoughts about uh, work-life balance, time management, and stuff like that. Well, I've kind of, I've kind of shifted in the last year. Um, I guess in a, after turning fifty, like I said, I kind of had to stop and do a little bit of introspection, and I had to decide whether or not I wanted to just continue on as, uh, as I was, and just like be happy to write an occasional book, or do I want to? leave something behind. I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I want to, to at least think that I have left a dent in the universe. You know, I think I was Steve Jobs who said something like, do you want to leave a dent in the universe? And I, I think that the rational male is certainly a dent in the universe right now. Um, and it's nice to know that my grandchildren will probably be reading the, the rational male. Maybe even my great grandchildren will be, I, I don't know, but it's, I don't have any experience like that. I don't have any uh, relatives or a grandfather or anything like that. Who's done anything of any like sort of social significance. Legacy value. Yeah. Type, legacy yeah. type type thing. Um, my father, the thing that got me is my dad died of uh, Alzheimer's dementia at the age of 72. I think it was. And, um, and that was back in like 2010, 2011. And I have not been tested to see if I have the gene or whatever. I, I'm not even sure if it is a gene. Maybe it's not a genetic marker kind of thing. Uh, I have a few things going for me in that I don't know who my biological grandfather is on my mother's side. So I, I, that's kind of like an X factor, I guess. But um, I don't know. Uh, it, but I'm, I'm going forward uh, with that. Um, that thought in mind that maybe I've got a good 20 years left and what do I want to do with those 20 years? And I, I make, I made a good chunk of change before I even had a book. So, um, but I was, I was working for other people. Um, I, I had to, I had to sort of do things the way that I didn't necessarily want to. And then, um, then guys around me started retiring because the guys that I was working for, particularly in the liquor a industry, are, are aging out. Um, the liquor industry is very, I don't want to say it's inbred from a brand perspective, but like when it comes to like distribution and it, it's, it's uh, old boys club. And some of those old boys club guys are starting to age out. Um, and I, I had a lot of really good mentors, I think, um, as a result of that. And a lot of these guys, uh, some of them I, I had a lot of respect for, and some of them I was just like, they just had a lot of crazy ideas and maybe one of those ideas stuck. And then, mm -hmm. so just because they had one goofy idea, that was a good idea. Um, that's what they've been riding on for a long time. And I, I don't, I kind of don't want that. I wanted to, I want to do something for, for guys, you know, I want, that's one of the reasons I wrote like preventive medicines because I, the guys kept saying, I, I wish I would have had all this information before, um, you know, before I, I got married or before I did this or before I, I got involved with this woman, or I wish I would have known all that. So I, that's why I wrote that. Well, I also think about that in terms of like leaving a legacy behind and hopefully helping guys out, uh, in the future. Um, like I said, the, the book is kind of like, uh, 
a, a living text. Like people keep coming back to it. So that sort of gives me hope. But I want to be doing I want to be doing a little bit more um, with, you know, being as being Rolla Tomasi and as being an author and and, and going and speaking. And, and I don't know, there, there's a lot of new things that are coming out. Like I, I can remember when there was no such thing as a podcast or or to do a podcast or to do anything that was like live video mm-hmm. online. You there was no well, YouTube was around, but it wasn't as like fleshed out as it is now. And it took you had to really be invested in doing something like that. Um, now it's easy. Now anybody with a with a cell phone can can do a podcast if they want to. Um, so is that something I want to get into? I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm at a point right now where I have a lug I have a luxury of of choosing what it is that I want to do. Um, whether because like even if I stopped working doing doing my brands right now, I'd still make money royal royalties wise on on those. And then um, like the books make good money too, right? My, my books are actually starting to compete with my, my liquor royalties. So, um, so what do I want to do? I, I could just simply say, okay, screw it. I'm not going to do anything. And I'm just going to go ride around the country on my motorcycle. <laughs> but, I, uh, but I can't advise don't. against no. it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have a lot I of hobbies. There's anything wrong with that. I have a lot of hobbies. And I think that if I have any distractions, it's mostly my hobbies. Like I like to, I like my snowmobile. I like, I like my power sports stuff. Um, I'm an artist, obviously I have, um, that's really a lot where I'll, the source of my income has come for most of my life has been my art, uh, either by doing by design or by illustration or things like that. A lot of people don't know that about me. They, they, they think, Oh, Roll Tomasi just writes this book, right? Well, no, I, I do a lot of very creative things. Um, I could just simply stop and do that. And, but I don't want to do that. I want to, I want, I want to build more. Right. And and I'm finally at a position in my life where I have the luxury to build something or to do something more. So it's like, I almost feel like I'm obligated to, to keep going, to get, get my ass up and, and go. Like I, I've spent probably the last 30 years getting up at like four or five in the morning so I could go to the gym so that I could be at work because that was people say, Hey, well, that's dedication. No, it's not dedication. That's the only time I could go. And so I, I was keeping myself in shape and, and I'm still doing that, but like now I can get up whenever I want to get up and I can go to the gym because the gym's 24 hours. I can go whenever I feel like it. Um, but I, I think that I thrived on that that regularity, like getting up and, and doing the things that, that I had to do so that I could get to the things that I want to do. And now I'm at a position where I can do all the things that I want to do. And I don't necessarily have to do anything, but I need to, I've never, I've never well, see, had to be more responsible. At, I've never right, had to be more responsible in my life than now. This is, this is the, the key to the, the problem I wanted to highlight, especially to the younger men and women out there that are listening. Uh, because you're you're like the Voyager one, you know. You're the first we got out in an interstellar space. What are we getting reports back past the Oort cloud, etc.? Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing uh, in my clients, maybe you've seen it in yours, is <clears throat> a generation of young men. Because again, this information has been out there now for 20 years. You could say the red pill of the Manosphere is coming up on its 20th or 25th birthday, depending on how far back you want to go. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what the cost, of, uh, not the cost, but what the consequences, the good consequences of any young man or woman who takes red pill truths, and it could be about education, career, dating, love, meaning of life, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You're going to do two huge things, especially if you're a young man. One, you are not going to waste your time 
in worthless careers, educations, go nowhere uh, type of professions. You might get a, a good certification or degree. They'll put you on a path to have a career, but inevitably you're going to at minimum be saving your money, be very frugal and fiscally wise, getting into a position of fuck you relatively soon or early, or at least a, a position where you don't have to take the next job. You can be choosy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, 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 by consequence, you're not paying off student loans. It, it puts you in a very good financial position early. And then also you're not wasting your time uh, chasing women because when you were in your beta days, I was in my beta days. Everybody's guys have been in their beta days, but especially pre-internet during the analog days, you would think you would you had to trial and error everything because you always thought there was something wrong with you. You always thought, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. There was no way to compare. There was no way to compile data. Now mm-hmm. we have it. And now a young person can pick up one of your books, Rusha's books, my books, read uh, Chateau Hartiste, uh, mm-hmm. any one of the many other writers that we don't have time to name right now. And they can save themselves literally decades of time and what for a fraction of the time that we invested primarily through trial and error mm-hmm. they can invest in more for sure things get higher return on investments on their time and capital and what i'm predicting is there's going to be a lot more future rollo tomasis down the road at younger age because i'm seeing them now i'm seeing proto rollo tomasis and other successful gentlemen her i'm 31 i have a quarter million Saved up in cash, not the 401k. That's not even the 401k. That's just the cash. Mm. And I have this paid off and I have my, my education master's in electrical engineering. And they run into this metaphorical male wall. But instead of a female wall, which is like a Hiroshima bomb multiple times over, the male wall is almost this wall to success. It's a good wall. It doesn't destroy. It's like, what do I do with all my freaking time and money? And mm-hmm. you're, you're there. I'm running into some other instances. We know other people who are starting to run into this where you have more, you have <clears throat> so many good things to choose from mm-hmm. on the menu of life that uh, I even tell me if I'm wrong, but I recall it was either we were having a conversation or maybe I heard you on a podcast or some, some maybe a video you had done where, uh, you felt like there were, you could never do enough. Like you wanted to do this. You want to write yeah. this book. There's always another book. And what I'm trying to, what I fear if there's a bad downside to this is not learning how to let go of the throttle or at least de-throttle and say, what is Rolo Tomasi? I mean, do you ever take off a vacation? Do you, I know you'll probably never retire fully, but do you ever think about partially <laughs> retiring? Or is it, or is it that this is just too good too much we gotta get to because the work will never be done because there's just too much stuff that has to be written and pointed out to help out these kids but mm-hmm. uh, i mean is, is that kind of the the crux that you're at now or I, any I, any insight on that i think that like i'm i'm running into a, a few things that i never thought i would have to like i'm getting to the point right now where i don't have to show up at a job every day i don't have to do it and that's that's nice i've been doing that for like almost the last what four years um i think i i think you and i talked about this one time where it's like you you have trouble because because you're on your own and you're more or less independent you can come and go and do whatever it is that you want to as you please and you're not on anybody's schedule um and and so you run into problems like there's not enough guys like you 
right? There's not like I'm like you, but who there's else that you like cuts, there's that right? yeah, you know? there's that statistical issue as well. Yeah, I mean yeah. I, that's another common like question. Finding yeah, because you got to wait till all your friends get to the weekends before you can do anything, right? Or <laughs> you have ideas to build something or a project or something, and you you know the right people, and you want to put them on board with this particular project that you want to do, but they can only commit so much time to it because they're busy with their day to day nine to five job. Right. So and they've got kids and it's like there's very few guys who are uh, cut away from um, what it what they have to do versus what they want to do. And like right now I'm, I'm at where I, I can do things that I want to do. But I like I said before, I have to be more responsible and I have to be more disciplined right now than and any other time in my life. And I was I've been always been fairly disciplined, especially for an artist. I've always been a pretty disciplined guy. I mean, that didn't necessarily mean I'm the most organized guy in the world, but I've always been, you know, I always knew what I needed to do. And I never wanted to be that kind of flaky artist arch archetype. I wanted to be reliable and all that stuff. But like now, like I could retire. Like I was saying before, I could just say, you know what, I'm just going to collect my revenue and collect my my resources and and I'm going to be done with it but I want to do more and you're right I've never off I'm never off duty like right before I came on this show I did I did a half an hour and a half with another guy for like bulldog training or something like that is a uh he it was his podcast this guy named john i can't remember his last name but i just did that and then i'm like oh and i'm gonna go do aaron's thing too right now too so half an hour later I'm, I'm doing this with you um i'm i'm working on a post i'm working on a new post for the rational mail right now i'm working on the fourth book right now at the same time um i've got a guy who wants me to play in his band and so i'm like all right well maybe i'll go and play some music today too so i have to cut right, but, out but my does, time to do do things for that when does rollo have rollo time i mean do you <laughs> no seriously that's yeah, the, that's well, a huge question people are going to mm -hmm. face that's why i'm predicting because especially a lot of these kids kids 30 year old 20 year olds have grown up and and entered the the their adult years in in recession and so when you're given an opportunity especially with opportunities that the internet provides to work remotely for $35 an hour. You're like, dude, who knows when the next recession's coming? Let's milk this puppy until it's over. Yeah. And, and you remember, I bet you even remember the Volcker recession. Uh, you were probably uh, still, yeah, you were, you were an older kid than me then, mm -hmm. but we remember very harsh economic times. You're like, I don't know how long the good times are going to roll. Uh, but in, in the end though, or not in the end, it ultimately, you get to a point where you don't have, you know, any downtime. The only downtime I really get is when I'm riding a motorcycle, and even then, you're technically doing something mm -hmm. because I can't listen to headphones, and you're just there with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I uh, am, or, I'm at the position right now where, like I was saying, I don't have a lot of downtime. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a really quick story here. Is um, when I first started working for the import export company that that. I, I got involved with, I really started me in, in liquor. I, there was a guy who was this old Dutch guy. He used to be the, um, he was one of the principal creators of kettle one vodka. I can at least oh, okay. me mention that one. So you do know some, one of these. Um, and he, I, I never understood how this guy could keep going and keep going and keep going. Right. When I, the first time I ever flew to Europe was with him. 
Uh, and we got, we, we flew from Reno to Salt Lake to LaGuardia across the Atlantic ocean. We get to, we get to Amsterdam. We're there. And then immediately once we got off the plane, it's the next day. Okay. I haven't slept like in like 24 hours. He's and this is, this guy's in his late sixties. Now he's, well, now he's probably in his, his late seventies, but back then he was in his late sixties and he was ready to go. He was like, let's go. We're going to go do and until 10 o'clock that, that same night in Amsterdam. And I couldn't believe this guy was keep, kept going. And I'm like, and he had so much, these are, these are guys who are very rich people. Like I've worked, for, I have worked for millionaires probably most of my life. Uh, like the guys who are the general managers for uh, the tri properties and down in, in, in Reno. Um, some of the guys that you would probably recognize the names if I were to say them from uh, Las Vegas, uh, like Tahoe, um, you know, the, the Mandalay Bay properties and stuff like that. These guys have a lot of money, right? And it's like for, for people who are in this nine to five mentality, they think, they think this, they think if I had all that money, I would just retire and be done with all this bullshit. I wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff anymore. And I don't want to have to, uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, why would you assume responsibility? Why would you take on more responsibility when you don't have to, when you've got all this money, you don't. And that's, I think is almost a, I don't want to say it's a poverty mentality, but it's sort of a, a worker's mentality. Like if you win the lottery, you could just do nothing and you'd be, you know, you got fuck you money. You, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Right. But I don't think what they understand is like you, you still, even after you get to that point and I'm not, and I'm by no means a millionaire. Okay. I'm at a point where I'm comfortable and I can do what I want to. Um, that's when, you really just, you really find out who you are. Like these guys, like these kids who make like millions of dollars, like maybe they're rappers or maybe they're like rock stars or maybe they're athletes or something. And they get a whole lot of money all at once. Right. And then what do they do? They get, they develop a drug addiction or something because they don't know what to do with themselves. Right. They're mm -hmm. bored. Like they, they're just like, it would be very easy for Roll Tomasi to just, you know, sit here and drink and, 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 you know, shoot up or whatever. It'll be very easy to do that because I'm, I don't have to worry about it though. I know where the money's coming. You're also stuck right? under 14 feet of snow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. It'd be very easy to do something like that. But I, I think that, um, you don't understand the mentality is that when you get into those situations, like what you want to do is what you're doing, right? Like I want to be doing this right now. I enjoy I enjoy being Rolla Tomasi. I enjoy writing. I enjoy helping guys. I enjoy going out and speaking. Um, uh, you know, when, when does Rolo get some downtime? Well, as soon as I I'm done here, I will probably go back to my workbench here and paint or do something. And then maybe I'll watch, I am I'm, I'm at a point right now and I've always kind of been like this, but I'm, I think it's, it's intensified more since I've, I've become a, more independent and I don't know what else to call it besides independent. Um, is that if I, I, I have problems like watching a movie, or watching like I, dude, I'm totally, I totally, and I love what, you know, I love to watch the latest movie. I love to watch, uh, you know, I've got, I have a 72 inch, you know, widescreen, you know, 4k TV. I watch it maybe twice a week. If, if that, if, and that's only because my wife turned it on. Um, but like if, if football's not on, I probably won't watch it. And even then football comes on what on like a, a Sunday. And, and so I, I I'll do that, but I feel bad afterwards. Like, I feel like, what could I have done with that? Two Lost hours? production. No, I, I yeah. know. And see, I mean, and once you get into this zone after a while, uh, especially and it, it, it never is quite clear when the transition from survival to enrichment occurs, where you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're hustling, 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 making ends meet, making ends meet, making ends meet. And then you're doing a little bit more than making ends meet. 
Then you're doing a lot more than making ends meet. Then you're debtless. And now the money is almost an academic question. It almost mm -hmm. is like where you're turning money down because you would prefer your freedom. Uh, <clears throat> by that time, it has become so ingrained and so mentally a part of you that I'm, I'm sure it takes almost half the time you built up the mentality to get rid of it and have a leisure mentality where you can actually take time off or engage in a vice and have no guilt uh, associated with it after the fact. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really funny story. Like right before I decided that I wanted to just like go solo and just like live off of my, uh, my, my returns or my, my royalties, I was working for, um, I was working well with for a casino and I was doing like promotion stuff and I was doing their advertising and I was doing some online stuff and doing video and just pretty much, you know, anything that they needed me to do, I would do. And then I got to, a point, <laughs> and this is going to sound so bad, but I got to a point where like, I didn't want to deal with the day-to-day -day bullshit. You know, I didn't want to mm. like, cause it seems like, like I, I was kind of cut away from it because I didn't have to be there. Like I was, I was looking at like the day-to-day -day petty dictatorships that were there I, I, and I, I looked at this from with like new eyes right I, i'm like i don't have to be here i'm here because you know i want i just want to be doing I, I was enjoying it for a while at least and it was good because it would it was getting me out but i didn't have to be there to like to pay the bills you know the bills were paid i was just doing it and then i i kind of said you know what i'm making more money than anybody in this department right now um but my salary is less than, you know, two or three other people here. And I'm just like, why am I, why am I doing this? I don't have to be doing this. And so I think what you, and what happened to me is I think you will end up self-sabotaging yourself. You'll find ways not to deal with the bullshit. And, and eventually like, rather than like let people down, I, I was smart enough to just say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm out. You know, I love, I love all you guys like brothers, but I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go do my own thing from here on out. And that's when I started having that insight about what I, what it is that I wanted to do. But like, then I get to a point where like maybe somebody, one of the ranches around here in the town say, Hey, we need a ranch hand or something. Can you go and can you lift 50 pounds or something like that? Can you help us out? I'm like, I might go do that. Or like, there's a, we got a volunteer fire department that's right down the street. I might go do that. Right. I, I have mm -hmm. done that before. Um, but like, I don't, I don't have to do those things. But it's like I want to just so I have the experience. So that I, I, I think that kind of helps me like understand people a little bit better. So it helps me like when I'm writing, like I would almost want to be like an Uber driver or something like that, just so I can meet new people regularly. I mean, oh, it pays, absolutely. It pays yeah. for shit. Right. But but, um, you know, just to just to have that experience to meet people and talk to people like just random random people you know oh yeah no i was i was sitting there thinking i i wouldn't mind maybe working weekends at a used car lot I don't i wouldn't plan to sell one damn car so like hey how you doing yeah i know everything about this guy nah don't worry about my commission and stuff yeah like but i i don't I have a day guy. off yeah I, I don't have a day off but i do have hobbies and i do cut myself time but i have to really give myself permission to enjoy things in a way that I didn't have to before because you're only as good as your last book. You're only as good as your last post. You're only as good as like, cause there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good guys in the, in the sphere right now. I, I haven't seen anybody who's, who's going to write the next, you know, rational mail yet, but that doesn't mean that that dude's not out there. Right. And I, I think that that's one of the, one of the aspects of really conventional masculinity is you always, you're only as good as your last victory was, right? 
and I want to keep going and I want to stay on top of my game. And I just, I, I enjoy doing what I do. So it's like, is it, is it work or is it just something that I, I, I like to do? And I learned that, like I said, from my, my old boss, because he had the money to just up and leave whenever he wanted to, but he didn't, he just kept going and doing the things that he wanted to. It's like, like people who say like, once you get a certain amount of money, like your living conditions don't really change all that much. Like once you get like past like two or three million dollars, mm-hmm. then you know having another ten million dollars doesn't improve your life, your living conditions, or the, the way you live your life that much more, right? But people still want to be like billionaires, right? People still want to have a lot of money. Never, I understand it, want but to I, do I don't understand it at the same time. I, yeah. Well, I, because I, I look at, and, and I don't think I've ever answered that. I never ever said this before, but I look at um, money as currency. And I don't mean that like, oh, currency, right? Well, there's a reason they call money currency, right? Because it's like, it's like an electrical current. It's like something, it's like an energy that you can use to do something, to, to, to f- perform an action, to make something happen. Right. And so like, I, I know that I have the ability to generate more revenue if I want to, if I, I know how to make money now, I know what I do best and I know how to, how to, how to make some, make some bucks. And for anybody in the chat who thinks that like, I, I work for the 21 convention, I don't, I'm just an invited speaker. That's I, I, I get paid for that. Yes. But I make a very small percentage on, on tickets. He'd have to I sacrifice his two hours a night sleep that he gets. To, yeah. To well, be I, and I take it very seriously. And anybody who saw me at the last, and I, God, man, Aaron, you got to come out to, to the, uh, to the 21 convention at least if you can't get you got to come out to it just hang out man just come in and meet people and just hang out for the weekend it's just a weekend trip man um but i was gonna say is that i do it because i want to and it's a labor of love and i'm finally at a point where i can invest myself in a labor of love have you ever seen um hail caesar no, but I, that's, that, that that's exactly a, what you're talking about, man. It has George, uh, George Clooney in it, doesn't it? It's got George Clooney, but he's, he's more comic relief. I mean, he's instrumental to the plot, but it's a, it's a story of it's, it's, a, I wouldn't say one of my favorite movies, but it was definitely one worth seeing in the theater. And if you got your 72 inch screen TV, yeah, now I'm going to have to go get, I'll, I will watch it right after this show. How's that? Because <laughs> what, what it's about is Josh Brolin's character. He's uh, it takes place in the 1940s, Hollywood, America. And Brolin is this straight-laced, tough uh, businessman uh, who heads up the studios and all the problems he runs into. And the story is all the crap, all of the other people's problems that this poor guy has to deal with. Here's the actress drama queen. Here's a guy who's, who's working for another studio and breaking her contract. Um, somebody's trying to bribe or, or blackmail the studio. And, but in in the entire background of this movie, he's got a job offer to go work for some technology company in New York, and the job is very easy, and it pays a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you just see him getting pissed off and frustrated, frustrated, <laughs> frustrated. And then uh, he's also a very religious man, which is kind of funny, so he, he ends up going to confession a lot. And, uh, you know, what bothers you, my son? And the guy's so straight laced, he's like, I had two cigarettes and I didn't tell my wife. I, I don't know, father. I'm trying to give up. You see the father and the other just rolling his eyes like, oh my God, this guy again. Mm-hmm. Well, in the end, he's got to decide does he want this job that's a royal pain in the ass? Da, 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 or does he go work for this really easy, um, easy gig? And I won't tell you what it is. 
Uh, you'll have to watch the movie for yourself. But it's it's that thing with your 60-year-old um, uh, uh, coworker yeah. that your boss yeah. you were working for where he's ready to go. He's rearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's his job, he could make $10,000 or $10 million, He's still going to do it uh, because that is what gives him, him life and meaning uh, and purpose. And what I guess what – and I think in this very similar way, like you being the father, you have answered my question about the two cigarettes I shouldn't have had. Please don't tell my wife. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the answer I wanted <clears throat> is <clears> – <throat> I lost my train of thought here. Um, oh, how to go about and determine and handle this upcoming good excess decisions uh, uh, and opportunities. I think one of the key things for everyone to take away from this uh, is that, and I hate to use this phrase. I really hate to use this. You, you have to find out what your passion is in life. Mm-hmm. Don't major in your passion. Okay. Your passion is your side hustle, your entrepreneurial gig, what you put your heart and soul into outside of work. You still go make your money. You still save your pennies and dimes, but given the internet, how you can do many things online. Uh, you don't have to get permission anymore. You can bypass HR. You can raise money through GoFundMe. It's a lot easier to turn your passion into a money-making career than it used to be in the past. I know it's very opposite of what I say, I, I and I want to delineate very clearly. I, you do not want to major in your passion. You just want to go and do your passion. And then by the time you're old farts like me and Rolo, soon your passion is writing about, you know, motorcycle visits or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 what would you call yourself in the booze industry? Uh, the, it's not a connoisseur. You're not a distributor. You're, you're um, a marketer. Uh, a sommelier. Is that what I am? <laughs> sommelier. <laughs> right. I, no, I, I was going to say is like, I, I think that I, there, I do have a couple of fears though about that. Like I, I see like guys, there's this, there's this one kid that actually lives really close here. I think he's in Tahoe or he's in Truckee, uh, mm-hmm. also a snow, snowmobiler, but the guy has like a drop shipping. I believe it's a drop shipping, uh, a company that pretty much makes him independent at mm. like his late twenties. And so, you know, he goes out there and he, he gets cocky just like any 29 year old, especially if you give, you give money in, you make, you know, money, no object for a guy who's that young, they're going to, they're going to get cocky. Oh, okay, mm. fine. My guy, I got that. Uh, I, I think that, I, I think you're right. I think that at no other time in history has it been easier to find a way to turn your passions into something that is profitable. Um, have you read uh, Mastery by Robert Greene? No, I, okay. I very I would, rarely read. And I think that um, a- actually, after having listened to you know what the topic of the show is today, I would say if anybody's listening to this and you're wondering what you're going to do with yourself or what what you want to do, um, go read Mastery. Uh, fantastic book uh, that sort of kicks you in the ass as to um, you know what is it that you want to do with your life and how do you go about achieving mastery in that thing that you you feel drawn to um, in it Robert Green talks about how easy it is to achieve mastery today like at no other time in history has it been easier to achieve mastery but yet we still don't we still just sort of like sit on our hands and 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 would rather like have things done for us or would rather have that regimen rather than break out and take chances and half of the reason for that is because guys get kind of egotistical about things and women too um when it comes to like 
like you go to college and you get a master's degree, does that make you a master in whatever it is that you got that degree? And I would say no, but like back in the day, like if you wanted to be a master painter, if you wanted to be like Leonardo da Vinci, or you wanted to be like Michelangelo or something like that, you had to find another master who would take you as an apprentice. And then you had to go through the steps and learn, you know, wax on, wax on, Daniel son. You know, you had to go through all of that kind of stuff. And you had to, first of all, you had to have some kind of talent and then you had to have somebody who would take a chance on you. And then that you would hope to God that that guy actually knew what he was talking about so that you could become a master yourself. And then you started, uh, you, you're focusing yourself on what it is that you want to do. Well, now like, like for instance, like the auger on my uh, my snowblower broke about four days ago, and I have I have I have no mechanical ability when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? I can go on. I went on YouTube. I figured out how to do it. I had it fixed inside a half an hour. I'm a master, right? Yeah, I you're a master. Figured, yeah. I'm a master. Of this <laughs> wow, small engine repair. I'm a master, right? No, I'm a master cleaning carburetors because too. it's yes. because yeah. it's right there. Now, does that replace intelligence? No, it doesn't replace intelligence. But it, you have access to things that in in such a way that you have never had them before, and yet we are as, as lazy as we've ever been as a society right now. Um, we have the access to to. To learn, I, th I think you, maybe it's you who was talking about this. Is like you know, I, I think you're talking about like don't uh, don't major in useless uh, useless majors or whatever. I may or, have or said maybe, that once or twice. Maybe in my life, maybe yeah. college isn't the best idea for like because college is really just a, a a profit. It's a diploma mill, right? It's a it's a profit uh, for profit thing, right? I have been known to share that yeah, opinion. With I, I figured yes. you might as well, but um, but so it's and I and I agree with that. I I still think that. If that's your if that's your point for going into college in the first place, you probably would be better off learning a trade or learning something or trying to figure out what your skill is. Now, for me, college was a big deal for me because like I already had a talent and I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I used my talent and I used my degree in my in my job and because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Right? I had I had a creative I have creative uh, gifts. And I've turned them into skills and I've used those skills. But I, I think that um, learning, like educating yourself, and you don't necessarily have to go to college to do this. You can do this in many different ways. But education is its own reward, like being a well-rounded person who can talk about a great many things. Like, like when I talk about uh, like psychology or I talk about Evo Psych or I talk about Evo Bio, I had to have at least some sort of groundwork in that before I could actually speak authoritatively about that. And I still feel a little uncomfortable speaking authoritatively about it. But um but you have to know these things. You have to read up on these things. And one of the reasons like I'm, I'm good at what I write about is because I have a genuine, passionate interest in what it is. And people feed me stuff too. They're like, say, hey, have you thought about this? Or are you thinking about that? Or, you know, um, you know, what is it that I can glean from other people so that I can be a master of what it is that I do? I would like to think that I'm a master of the red pill, right? I mean, people want to call me the godfather. Okay, that's fine. But like, how do I get to that point? Well, you know, we were just talking about, there's no days off. You just have to keep going at it. You know, it has to be something that you don't mind. Uh, you don't, you don't mind it being something that is as consuming, right? My, my wife is really tough when it comes to stuff like that, because she doesn't understand. I don't think she understands the difference between a passion and like being obsessed with something. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. what was it? I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger said something like, was it obsession is what people who don't understand what passion means or is used by people who don't understand what passion means. And I, you know, I mean, I guess you can 
it was one healthy and one unhealthy. I don't know. Well, I'd say addiction would be an obsession. Addiction might it's be an out upset. of your control. And then a passion right. is, oh, I, I hate to leave you, baby, but I got to go because, you know, reality well, calls. You yeah, well, if I talk to if I talk to people, I talk to my, my brother or something like that. My brother thinks that I've had I've been on a continuous vacation for the last four years. Right? <laughs> they and all like, think the money just falls out of the sky, I, man. And they I tell all... him, I said, I say, I haven't had a vacation in four years. I've just been doing this all the time. I don't I don't think like I I feel weird. Like when I when I was at the 21 convention. And I was focusing on just my speech. I don't know if you, you caught my state of the manosphere address, but uh, everybody told me that it was like one of the best uh, speeches that I've ever given. And I, I tend to think it was pretty good too, if I do say so myself, but I worked hard on that, man. I, I was, I had my nose in my, my laptop the whole time I was there right up until I gave the speech um, because I wanted it to be perfect. I was a very much a perfectionist when it came to that. But like once I was done, I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, okay, I, I've, I've done all this. And then like, if I, if I take my focus off of, of that for a minute and I, or I take my focus off of writing for my blog or writing for my book and I p apply it to, towards something else, I always feel like whatever it was I should have been working on was suffering. And I, I hate to feel that way, but sometimes you just have to, you have to do that. You have to. Yeah. You can't be in two places at once. And that's, yeah. that's a, I know it's the pot calling the kettle black, but you know, I can be out doing X whether like, it's work or fun. It's like, oh, well, I, I could have been doing Y. Yeah. Is this, I, I hate the, I hate the idea of thinking like, I, I think in two ways is what I'm doing making me money and, or is what I'm doing going to make a difference like to somebody's life, like is it on the bigger scope of things? Is this like something that's going to benefit people in the long run? And like, I hate it because like I spent, like I said, two hours watching a movie and I'll go, God damn it. What could I have done with that? two hours? <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Has this ever happened? You'll go work out at the gym or you'll go run or whatever. And then you're literally driving home and then you see a guy run. I'm like, oh, that bastard's running. I should go run. Oh, wait, mm -hmm. I did go running. And I did do it. Yeah. yeah, that's happened to me. Hey, you know, it's funny. It's like when I go to the gym, I don't, I don't feel that way so much because I feel like I'm, I'm doing something that's important that has to get done. Like if I go to the gym and I spend like an hour and a half in the gym and then I, and then I go home, I don't get the same feeling of like, oh, what could I have done with that? that because I know that that's something that's worthwhile and something that's like constructive. And I think I maybe that's the, I actually, you know what? I think that's probably the question you're asking here is like, I, and I've got a post about this. I don't believe in contentment and I've never believed in contentment. Um, like people will say, oh, you got to be content in God, or you got to be content with this, or you got to be content. I don't think that the human condition supports contentment whatsoever. Um, in fact, that's why, like, if you, if you think that, you know, oh, I'm going to go get a, a I'm going to get my doctorates in, you know, surgery or psychology or, or whatever, right. you know, once you get that, then what, like, you'll be happy with that. You got, I've got a diploma on my wall. It's, it's beautiful. Right. But once I got that and I, that, that four, four and a half years of, or four, almost five years of work, you know, busting my ass and focusing on that. And thinking that once I get that, I think a lot of guys, like when, when they go to college, they think that I'm just doing this to get a job. I'm just, uh, why do I even need this Western traditions shit? Why do I need humanities? Why do I need this kind of stuff? I'll never use this in my job. That's, you know, I'm sure you probably heard young people say that. Um, but like, I think that 
what happens is when you get that degree or when you get that achievement or when you've come to a like you've got to that apex you know the peak of the mountain then you you're happy with it and you enjoy the view and you go damn i did a really good job and maybe you're a little bit prideful maybe you're a little bit you know and maybe rightfully so but then half an hour later you're like is there a bigger mountain i can climb is there is there something else i could do because i don't i don't believe in true contentment in fact i got, think people stagnate in contentment but there you has got 35 to be, years left to do so you climb the mountain okay yeah. okay, okay pinky what are we else? gonna do brain same mm -hmm. thing we do every same. night peaky we're gonna try and climb another damn mountain yeah it it does mm -hmm. the game isn't over then you got to keep on going right and then i think that the way what happens is like people People, there, there's two things. People think that they can be contented and they then they discover that they can't, right? And then they get upset because they feel like they should be contented with what it is that they achieve because it, maybe it took a lot of you know, time and energy to get there, right? And then there's people who deal with discontent in different ways. Like I've always, I've always been of the idea that when you're dealing with discontent, you should do so creatively and constructively because a lot of people deal with discontent destructively. They find ways to like destroy themselves because of that discontent. Um, you know, they, they will either isolate themselves and, and just sort of like retreat within themselves or else they will, um, they'll become workaholics or they'll, they'll find some way to just like find a destructive way to deal with discontent. And I think that is far better. And, and I think really a lot of humanity has been based on constructive discontent and being creative with that discontent. And what can I build and what can I achieve next? And what can I, what can, what is possible? You know, I, I always, I've, I've said this a million times. It's like, I believe that men are, are idealists. Men have a, Part of our evolved mental firmware makes us interested in things like for women they're interested in people men are interested in things and they as such we want to see what's possible we want to see how, how can i build a bridge there can i climb the mountain can i do this what what is possible and how can i how can i achieve that right and that's like dealing with that discontent constructively and that i think is what when you get to a position like where you and I are right now, where we don't have to necessarily show up to work tomorrow morning at, you know, 8 a.m., uh, that we have to answer that question every day. What am I going to do to to be better? What am I going to how do I make myself the best version of myself? How do I uh, how do I create something that's going to have a lasting impact? How do I make a dent in the universe? And it ends up being a question of are you going to deal with discontent creatively or destructively? And I think the constructive and the creative side is always best. Right, right. No, I, I agree. Well, Roll, we could go on forever, but um, do you still have a little bit of time? Sure, sure. Okay, yeah. well, let's uh, for the yeah. original reason, because uh, we could talk forever, um, and unfortunately, we don't have the time. Uh, I have an email uh, mm -hmm. request, not an email request, I have a video request uh, from a client at Asshole Consulting. And... Um, not only because I, I want to promote more a little bit of, you know, celebrity guest asshole consulting. Uh, this one I couldn't answer, Rolo, because I've never been married. It's really on the fence. And uh, I wanted to give this kid uh, better advice than, man, I don't know. Uh, so I'll go ahead and read it here. And then um, I had a follow-up uh, question for him. He gave me a little bit more information. <clears throat> uh, hi, Aaron. I want to get your opinion on whether or not I should get married. I'll leave you a brief uh rundown of my situation and the girl in consideration. I'm 30 years old. I'm a manager for um, 
three offices of some place in a large major metro area and currently make just over 100000 in salary, which in this major metro area would not make him rich, but it wouldn't make him poor either. I have no debt and over 100000 in savings plus thirty to 40000 in retirement accounts. The girl I'm considering is someone I've dated since January of 2016, so three years. We moved in together in November of 2017 and have been living together since. She is 26 years old. Uh, she's in shape and shorter than him. I don't even want to give specifics because it would identify her if she's listening. She majored in marketing but currently works uh, for a large nonprofit organization. She makes 60 grand a year and has about 10 grand in savings, no retirement account. She does not have any debt. She has some sort of inheritance coming from her grandparents, although her parents haven't revealed how much it is. Not that I care either way, as long as she isn't in debt. She is fairly frugal with money, only buying stuff on sale or at a decent price. Of course, she buys all that crap that girls typically buy, new clothes, makeup, a few pieces to decorate the apartment. But she is not the one <clears throat> to spend a fortune on random bullshit. She comes from a blue-collar Democrat family, and even though she is very, she is liberal, she is not overly so and not really interested in politics. I even got her to agree with my point of view on abortion. I'm pro-life, by the way. She genuinely cares about me and my success since I've met her. I've actually made more money and have had more success in my career than ever before, almost doubling my salary in a few years' time, although I don't know how much of that was her influence or just my will and effort. She helps me prepare my meals for the week. Uh, we do a weekly meal prep together, make sure we eat healthy. She works out two to three times per week at the gym to maintain her appearance, and she forces me to go to bed early during the weekdays so that both of us get enough sleep and feel rested the next day. Without that influence, I'm very prone to staying up late and just sticking around <clears throat> on the internet until it's 1 a.m. She has a robust social circle and invites me to go out with her and her friends all the time, as I tend to be very introverted sometimes. Overall, she's been a very positive influence in my life. Additionally, your parents love me, take me to expensive trips, restaurants, Broadway shows, etc. basically treat me like a son almost. She even said she was willing to move uh, to Florida with me in five years' time, even though she never wanted to leave work. I do eventually want to have kids and raise a family. She wants to have two kids within the next four to five years. I know that she definitely wants to get married. Don't worry, I charge a lot for this one. I know she uh, definitely wants to get married and have a traditional family within the next few years. I seriously doubt she would be for any type of baby mama situation. Writing all this out, I feel like a dumbass even asking this question, but do you think it is a wise decision to marry her? Here's where the curveball comes in, Rolo. Mm -hmm. My concerns are as follows. She has had more sexual partners than me, 14 dudes, including me. I know it's pure egotistical on my part, but it bothers me, not the actual number, but just the fact that she's been with significantly more guys than I have women. Two, I am not as physically attracted to her as I once was when we first met. I assume this is normal, but there is a part of me that craves more sexual variety. Honestly, I feel like we only had have sex a few times per month. I'm sorry, let me reread re this. <clears throat> Honestly, I feel like we only have sex a few times per month which is less frequent than when we weren't even living together. Go figure. For whatever reason, I don't find myself excited about the prospect of marriage at this stage in my life. I feel as though a part of my freedom is being taken away. I almost feel as though I'm trying to logic myself into it, considering the importance of this decision. Shouldn't one be undoubtedly emotionally moved towards the choice rather than be nervous and hesitant about it? Or is every guy nervous about it from the prospect of getting married? 
Four, financially marriage appears to be a dumb decision. Everything from the engagement ring to the wedding day to everything else seems to be a waste of money. Not to mention that contract you sign where you agree to work, fork over half your assets if things don't work out. And statistically speaking, they usually don't work out. Five, this may sound weird, but oftentimes I feel more rested and relaxed when I'm not with her. It's not that her presence bothers me, but I'm somewhat of an introvert and enjoy my privacy and alone time from uh, other humans in general. Just wanted your opinion on this. I'm very much conflicted. I love and care for this girl deeply. I don't want to dick her around, dick her around, literally and metaphorically, for too long because I understand women have a biological clock. I've never even considered marrying any other girl until I met her. I remember distinctly telling my own father six months after we first started dating that this girl is marriage material. What is your opinion on this? And I think the the hmm. question I asked. Um, is she willing to stay home and raise the kids or have you not talked about this and have you talked about a lawyer marrying her in one state versus marrying her in Florida if they were to move um, hmm. and then hang on there was responses are in blue <clears throat> is she willing to stay home and say, so long as finances permit she would absolutely love to do that so she's willing to be a stay at home mom I remember once telling me that she would love to quit her job, stay at home, take care of the kids, exercise at the gym every day, and cook dinner. Have you talked about the lawyers? He hasn't talked to any lawyers. Uh, and then he wanted a video response. So mm. he changed his mind there. So mm. uh, that's the question. I'm on the fence, but I'd like to get your uh, married man opinions oh, take man. because you have been married. Now, this is one of the... One of the questions I get from guys all the time is like they 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 wonder why I'm against marriage, right? I have had a really fantastic marriage. I love my wife to death. We still have great sex. Um, you know, I've we produced one kid, right? I mean, um, I should be like very pro marriage, but um, I, I I think as an institution, marriage is a great idea, right? I think as as an institution, um. Uh, I, I believe that men and women are better together than they are apart, right? But we're finding ways um, to condition ourselves to make to make that union, to make that that complementarity uh, a bad deal. And I that's one of the reasons I, I never I can never advocate for marriage right now because it, in its present state in the in Western society, it is an all downside proposition for the guy and people say well roll aren't you in that yeah i am and i have a great marriage and i'm and i'm telling you right now that if i were to tomorrow find myself single or god forbid you know widowed or whatever i would never get married again certainly not in this condition and not the way and that's i have to preface everything i'm about to say with that right now i'm not anti-marriage as um from the from the respect of it being like a a union between a man and a woman um, I think that probably in the past marriage has been has been good, but like prior to the sexual revolution, I think marriage might have you know where, where women and men the 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 trade offs were were if if not equitable certainly workable right now marriage is is a liability for guys. It's all liability. It's all 100% responsibility and almost 0% authority right now. Um, nothing really comes of it, but those are the, that's, that's my preface here. Now, this guy in particular, um, the, the red flags are this, um, the, the biggest red flag is he moved in with her already. Okay. Uh, that's, Almost always bad news. I, I always tell, in fact, that's one of my iron rules of Tomasi is never shack up, never move in with a woman, never sign, put your name on a lease 
for a, a rental with a woman because what you're essentially saying is that you, the undersigned, uh, promise only to have sex with this one woman for the duration of the lease, one year, right? And at that point, that's when women kind of like ease up and they, all that competition anxiety goes away and all that sexual urgency goes away and all of the the fun sex that she had with you um to convince you to you know to stick around all now she can she can ease up on the accelerator pedal right they're, they're down a few times a month and they're already looking at that i should also add this is that a, the definition of a sexless marriage is one time a month okay uh i think it's like 10 times a year or one time a month uh counts as a sexless marriage so if the guy's only having it like two or three times maybe he is like just above the sexless marriage and then he's not even married and it's already happening um i would also be very wary of uh, a woman with an end count of 14 and guys won't or like women will say well you know what are we supposed to do you know not have sex or not you know you know maybe she's this you know jewel in the rough right maybe she she did all that and she regrets it and now she really wants to be with him well that will definitely be her story once she gets to be about 29 years old and she's desperate to marry somebody but statistically women who have higher end counts notch counts um tend to not be able to form healthy attachments to their husband later in life right uh that's the statistical side of it uh I, I I really I'm gonna have to do I'm gonna have to. I dig saw up the some chart. I think it's a very you. famous chart. I mean, I'm gonna have to 14, dig up the no, links it, it, for you because people will call me on that. They'll go, "Where'd you get that information?" There actually, there's lots of research on this that the more sex that a woman has, pr premarital sex she has, is uh, directly linked to her uh, well propensity to get incident of divorce, um, but also her inability to form healthy attachments to her husband. Right. And I think it's what's weird is like, I think at one partner, then it's like a certain percentage. And then if you get to uh, like somewhere in the seven to eight range, it goes like, it just skyrockets. And then like after like 10 or 12, it comes back down a little bit, you know, <laughs> for whatever the, re I, you know, Hey, it's probably just thinking, Hey, I've had sex with 10 guys. What's another, you know, two or three. Right. Um, but, there, so there is, and this is just the mechanics between men and women, okay? The mechanics are this, is that women have sex and they have different sexual strategies than men do, okay? And they vet for different things and they attach for different things. Now, you probably already understand what I'm going to say here is like there's alpha fucks and there's beta bucks, okay? And so right now, it's highly likely, particularly since they just moved in together and they got all comfortable with one another, that she sees this guy as the beta provider. Like he's, uh, he's all, what did he start? The, he started his paragraph off or started his story off about how he's 30 years old. He, um, he's affluent at least. He's got X amount, you know, he's, he, he rattled off his investments. He rattled off what it is that he does. He rattled mm -hmm. off all the, the, the money that he has. And so like, he's almost, it almost feels to me like he's qualifying himself to get permission to marry somebody, but he's not, it doesn't seem like he's a hundred percent sure of that. And he wants somebody to sort of like slap him upside the head and say, have you thought of this? So I'm going to do that for him right now. Um, he probably sees marriage in uh, from the perspective of the old set of books, okay, or the old social contract, where it's if I um, 
if I have uh, money in the bank and if I have a house and if I have property and if I have, uh, I'm going to make partner in the firm or if I'm, you know, uh, I've got my own practice or whatever, that kind of stuff. If I, if I have all that stuff, then that's going to make me a better catch for women right now. And that used to be the case prior to the sexual revolution. That used to be the case under the old social contract. Right now, it's <clears throat> it just categorizes that guy as the the good catch right as the the guy who would be good for parental investment but not the fun exciting guy she wants to have sex with how do i know this because she's already had sex with 14 she's other had guys. sex with 14 she's had sex with 14 other guys right yeah. and i'm not saying that you know hey you shouldn't feel like most guys like this, this kind of comes back to what I call the war on paternity. Like we try to convince guys that, 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 that shouldn't matter. Right. She had 14 sex with 14 guys, right? Well, are you insecure in your masculinity? Should you, uh, you know, she, she's, she's human too. She has a sexuality. What are you trying to be sexually repressive? You know, what are you going to start slut shaming her next? You know, just even talking about that is, is technically slut shaming. Right. But no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is here, here's the nuts and bolts of this. The nuts and bolts is that, Women who have higher end counts have a harder time uh, uh, making those attachments. Also, women who have higher end counts um, have more of a chance, the, the more, you know, a, a larger pool of people she's had sex with, she has a larger chance of fixating on one of those guys, one of her 14, as her alpha, as the guy who was the best sex she ever had. Right? An alpha it's widow, the, yes. It's to, to become an alpha widow. And like when, when guys, and I, I've got a, this is actually a paragraph in the first book. It's, it's called the slut paradox, right? Like a, a woman is really great and fun in bed, but you got to ask, how did she get that way? Right. Um, you know, every man wants a slut. He just wants her to be his slut. And I think that what happens is like, I don't, I don't think that it's so much a numbers game. It's not that she had sex with 14 guys so much as it is that she had more exposure to more men of which one or two or maybe three of those guys made a really significant alpha impact. Like those, that was like the best sex that she's ever had was with that, that one bad boy outlaw biker who played in, you know, guitar in the band, you know? So she's going to think about that and fixate on that. And I'll tell you right now, that's, I would, I would say that that's probably one of the reasons for the decline in their sexual frequency after they moved in. That's the other thing I was going to say is like, he's already kind of shot himself in the foot with this one. Um, so if he's listening, don't do this again. Don't move in with a woman. Don't think for a second, like, well, it's great. You know, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be saving money. We'll be sharing the rent. No, 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 no. You, you, you need, well, it's not so much a, a thing about freedom. Like guys will say, well, well, you're just trying to say it's about freedom. It's not. It's about your ability to maneuver. It's about your capacity to um, to change your mind when you want to or to do things, you know, not according to whatever her schedule is. Like right, right now, he's, she's already she's already creating like this routine for him. It's like, oh, she does this for me. She would prepare our meals together. Well, that's great. That's that's nice. I, you know, hey, I'll do the same thing with my wife too. But you're not married, okay? You're you're living together. You're living as if you are married, and you're getting into that comfort and that familiarity and that rapport and all of those things are anti-seductive. So when she knows that she can go and have sex with you whenever she wants, or she doesn't have to make an effort anymore. Um, remember, she's probably thinking of sex with you as sort of comfortable and 
I don't want to say meaningful, but like comfortable and convenient, right? Whereas like the alpha guys that she was having, you know, sex with in Cancun on spring break, that guy wasn't, he, he was urgent and he needed to, he, she needed to make a decision to have sex with that guy right then and there. And to, you know, I, I will guarantee you this. If a woman has 14, uh, a 14 notch count, not all 14 of those guys were dudes that she like had a relationship with and that she, <laughs> she moved in with and that she, you know, was comfortable with. I will guarantee you that at least seven of those 14 were guys that were, were right then and there. And they had to, or she, the urgency was there and the anxiety was there and the dread was there that if she didn't have sex with that guy, she was going to miss out on that opportunity. She was going to miss out on something. So the the reason I'm throwing all this out there is because this guy is about to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of his life uh, based on not having all the information, like not, ha not really being able, you know, like he's writing pros and cons, right? Well, I got a whole lot more cons and I hope well, maybe one or two more pros that he hasn't added to those, to that list. It's nice that the parents like you, that's important. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Um, the, um, the fact that they, they want to treat or she comes from a good family, um, at least seemingly, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what this guy's perception is. I, I would have to like sort of meet these people and understand be them invited to bit. thanksgiving dinner yeah exactly interrogate the hell to, out of them to right. really pick up on that but my my gut says no don't don't marry this one in fact and then accept it as the loss you know just say okay i'm going to learn from this and the reason i'm saying that right now is because the guy's 30 and he's just on his ascent to his sexual market value peak okay he's getting to the point where like he he's very impressed I, I think like him starting this paragraph out or starting this uh this this letter out by saying i make x amount of money oh and she makes sixty thousand dollars a year too and she doesn't have any student debt and she you know and those are those are pluses but i think really what he's doing is he's throwing those out there to sort of get permission from you you know to to say oh okay well she doesn't have any debt so that's a plus you know uh i think that he doesn't realize just how successful he's probably going to be uh, within the next three to five years mm -hmm. because he's 30 years old right now. And what happens is most guys get into like most guys being beta. Um, they'll get to about 30 years old and then they suddenly discover that women want to like the women that didn't want to have anything to do with them back when they were 22 years old, suddenly they want to have something to do with them. Suddenly they really think that they're really great, you know, and like, Oh, I can't believe, uh, like I've learned my lesson. I was so crazy in my party years or my, in my, my college years. I'm right? grown up. Now. I'm no like that anymore. I want to get right with God. I want to do things the right way now. And what that means is making more rules for him. Like, so like I would say at least some of those 14 guys, she probably had sex with him on the same night, right? Or she she felt urgent enough, urgency enough to to have sex with them right away, breaking breaking any rules that she would have even you know thought that she might have. But yet she will. Um, she's already right now. She's already dictating the frame of the relationship by like deciding when and where they're going to have sex, and like they're only going to do it at certain times. And and I think that. And I, I was looking in the, in the chat here, like a lot of guys are just like, no, you know, the, the sex isn't there. If she's not jumping all, if she's not the hell yeah girl, like if you say, hey, let's go on a date. And she's like, hell yeah, I'll go on a date with you. Or if she's like, you know, you want to have sex? Yeah, hell yeah, I want to have sex. If she's not the hell yeah girl, then she's not going, it's just going to be this gradual decay once you get past marriage. If, it, if it's not good before marriage, you probably don't have the frame. And 
you're, uh, if, if the sexual frequency has declined after you've moved in with her, I would say that first of all, it'll even decline even further. Um, and then second of all, um, she's, she's setting the frame. She it's, it's his, it's her frame that he is entering into because listen to what he says. He's talking about how it's how her parents and her, her social group. And, um, you know, it's, uh, he, he's very specific about the things about her rather than the mm. things about him. Like his, his, when he describes himself, it's all about the money and everything. So I would, my, my gut says no and learn from this because you need to, you need to get with a woman who is like a ride or die chick. Okay. You need that. You need the girl that's going to go and, uh, steal the, the, police car that you're handcuffed in the back of the police car and <laughs> bonnie and clyde it with you you know that that's the that's the chick that you want who's who's like that so into you that you know there's no doubt about it and i think he has doubt it sounds yeah. to me like he has doubt about this i mean he wouldn't be hitting he's not even that physical i mean of course his your physical attraction obviously goes down yeah. uh you know that that's just normal no yeah there's the, you want variety well okay get in line pal that's male genetic in nature mm -hmm. um but yeah, a couple of things that were that were pointing out. But well, your your final your final judgment is no. I would say no, and primarily because she doesn't seem like a ride or die girl. She seems like it seems to me. I'm getting the feeling, and the reason I get the feeling is because I've, I've talked about I've, this. Is his case is not something new to me? Okay, um, I get the feeling that he is the guy she wants to marry because she's done with her party years. She's done with the fourteen guys. And now she sees him as a, a ticket to her long-term security. And he is what I would call a beta in waiting. Okay. He's one of these guys who, who plays by the books and does everything that everyone told him to do and to, and built himself up and, you know, probably for good reason. Guys want to do that. You know, you want to, you want to be a successful, what we were just talking about contentment and everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. But he, I would say that from what I can gather from this guy, he's what I call a beta in waiting. He thinks that his ships come in. Like when you, when a woman comes in and she suddenly loves you um, at 30, when she didn't love you at 22, what that says to me is something circumstances have changed for that woman. And so now her priorities are changed because she has a new necessity. Her necessitous women will change their, their sexual priorities or hypergamous priorities to cater to whatever the guy is who's like their best prospect. And I think she's probably trying to do that right now. Um, that's why the parents are involved. That's why he's where he's at. And I think that, um, that sex is the glue that holds relationships together. And if it's already declining after you've gotten into the, the comfort of living together, if you, you made a mistake, first of all, uh, go read iron rule number four, which is never move in with a woman uh, that you aren't, uh, you aren't married with or you aren't planning to marry within six months. It sounds like he's been living with her a lot longer than that. And then that, of course, what happens is women get comfortable and they don't have to, they don't have to try anymore. And they'll, instead of wearing lingerie, they're wearing, you know, sweatpants for you, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's no longer about, uh, it's no, no longer about urgency. It's no longer, he's talking about what, um, like I want to try more adventurous sex or stuff like that. It sounds to me like she's just giving him starfish sex. That this is the euphemisms guys. Use. Starfish. Yeah, he's sex. giving her starfish <laughs> sex where she's, you know, just like, okay, are you done? I got to go fold laundry. You know, that, that is, that is probably where she's at right now. And he understands that. And I think probably the biggest issue he's going to have is the sexual side of things. Like, yeah. Because he'll, if you get into, if he's not having sex right now, 
while they're living oh. together, he's not going to be having sex after marriage. No. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a much more Machiavellian economic, but different approach to come to a different conclusion than Rolo. But uh, it's also going to be cowardly because I, I still am undecided. Uh, I have two conflicting groups of information where she seems traditional in one sense where she's committed to working out and says so. Uh, she's cooking and doing kind of the wifey things. She would want to stay at home and raise the kids. Uh, and she has no debt. That is a huge thing from my financial background uh, and probably is one of the, the best things she has going for having a job and stuff like that. Uh, so you're the first two thirds of your email obviously did sing her praises and, and I was inclined to agree. But then the other stuff is the, it's hard to get over that 14 notch count. She has a crap degree. Democrat family, and uh, and and keep in mind my my concerns. If it was a pie chart, that fourteen would be eighty percent of the pie chart, and then ten and ten would be the crap degree in Democrat family. Um, what role it said in terms of marriage not being worth it today because it's just a legal downside risk included. Uh, if you were to get married, uh, I if you wanted to do it legally. By God, go talk to a lawyer. And both of the states you're kicking around and prenup and blah, blah, blah. But even then, what I would do is see if you can find, I don't know if Florida is, what, what is it where, like, if you live together, is that common law marriage or something like that? I think and it's common law, yeah. Hopefully, uh, it is. Florida is not a common law state. I'm sure somebody in the, in the conversation uh, knows where it is or not. <clears throat> and then you go ahead, continue living together, but you have your own private ceremony uh, as a libertarian. I've never thought the government, I don't think the government has no fucking right or business in my personal relationships. And, uh, especially today, uh, bringing the government in and therefore the law is a completely unnecessary risk. So this is where you're going to have to get people that know more about the law than me and Rolo. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very lukewarm. I'm going to come down on a wait and see uh, because this is not the holy cow. Who are you? And yeah, baby, let's go. And you know, no, I, I haven't said, you know, not that you're going to meet this nice, wonderful girl at church or anything like that. Uh, but in, in fair, you know, this is why I say, wait and see, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a lot of women with the qualities your girl has, mm. uh, this gal does work out. This girl doesn't have debt. This girl is willing to cook. And, uh, I'm not saying, well, the quality to have relative standards, ideally you'd have objective standards, but compared to today's tatted up sluts and nose pierced whore, I mean, my God, I mean, this is, it may, I'll be honest, it yeah. may not get better than this. It but, may not. You know, I, it's funny. It's like when I'm doing counseling for guys who are um, in their forties and they got divorced and they're getting back into the sexual marketplace. Um, the first thing that they complain about is like, there's no good women. There's no women without any kind of baggage, right? There's, and, and it's interesting cause I'll compare those guys to some of the younger guys who say the same thing, which is kind of like what you're saying right now. You're, you're looking at a chick who's 26 years old, right? She has, I'm not going to say she doesn't have some upside. She does, but like, I think that, I think the 14, notch count is a downside it's almost um, a deal breaker and I, that unto itself is and then like i see some of the guys in the chat here talking about like oh well she's a democrat and she has 14 you know notch count so she's out and i it's like but then you're bringing up a, a very common rebuttal to that which is well what else is there like who else is going to be you know okay well maybe you could find a girl with like 
set like half of that seven notch girls. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. And then, you know, and maybe she comes from like a libertarian family. You know, it's like you're not that's why they call them unicorns, right? That's why they say, you know, it's mm. it's like finding that perfect thing. It's like it's bloody impossible. So what what do you do as far as um like compromising that? Like like women will say the same thing. They'll say, well, you know, there's no good guys. And what they really mean by no good guys is there's no good guys that like want them and that are, you know, uh, above them socioeconomically and who ha- who are good looking and they're maybe a step above them in sexual market value. And they they think the same thing. Well, the problem is, is like there's there's no ideal, I don't think. I mean, maybe there is, but like it's so rare that you you're certainly not going to find it in Western society. Um, you know, what's funny is like there are probably going to be people who listen to this or are watching this right now who are saying, well, just go to like the Philippines or, <laughs> you know, go to Thailand and find a girl, you know, there. But, you know, you're you're still going to be dealing with. um Male female uh, dynamics, male and in the female future. dynamics, yeah. but you're yeah. also going to be dealing with the um, the pros and cons of dealing with a Western woman. Most most women, most guys don't don't think that, uh, particularly in the I don't want to say PUAs, but like like MGTOW community always think that you know the answer is to go to to Thailand or to go some to some like Southeast Asian country. Well, and, don't forget sex dolls. Yeah. That's a big yeah, answer. Yeah, sex dolls. The sex dolls. That's too. a few. Yeah. Get a doll. Ten years from now, get yeah. a doll. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get you. I, I think this I, I would suggest I would say no. I'm I'm gonna come down on the side of no just simply because there's too much to risk. And I think it would probably you know, he's thirty years old, man. You know, he can, yeah, he's got time. He's got yeah, time. No, yeah. No, no, no it, you know, wait it's, it's wait a tough for one. your wave. Wait for the that, right wait, wait for your wait for a better one than this. Particularly again, the, the notch count thing. I'm not gonna say that, you know, that you, you couldn't do it, but I think that the fact that the sex is declining already is a very big red flag and a very mm-hmm. bad sign. So yeah. um let's do this. Do you gotta get going there, Rolo? Uh I can stick around for about okay. Let's do this. Let's do rapid machine gun fire super chats because uh people have donated some money and I don't want to leave them hanging. I feel horrible. But uh because some of them are addressed to you here. Uh Bacon Baldito for 527 writes in Hey Rollo, thoughts on Gen Z dating in the future if you haven't covered it yet. Side question for both. What's your favorite for varietals? Varietals. I don't know what a varietal, what a varietal is. is. I don't know. Is it like is, uh, is that would a varietal be like a stock or something like that? Does that sound like something? Know. How about you answer like his question on um, dating, Gen dating Z for dating Gen in the Z. future? And I'll look up what a yeah, varietal is. What is, is Gen Z like, that's after millennials, right? Like what, yep. age, what age range would Gen Z be? Right? That would be I'm going to do it based on my, my friend's kid. I'm Gen like X. Eight, let's just say they're, yeah, we're Gen X. 18 and under is Gen Z. So the tweens to the teens, I guess. Tweens to the teens. Okay. So younger than my daughter. Um, I, I would say that you need to like, you need to absorb all of the information. Like we were talking about earlier is you need to absorb all of this. Uh, There's so much information that was never available. Like when you and I were like, you know, dating or like, I always, I look at the nineties as like the apex for feminism because we didn't have the internet and guys were just dumb and guys didn't have any, we couldn't compare notes and we, we didn't see just how egregious the feminization of men had become. Uh, I think that, uh, gosh, man, we're, we're probably going to talk about this at the, uh, the patriarchs thing at the 21 convention, but in the short version, young people today, 
Young uh, people today. Gen X, but the millennials and yeah. Gen Z, there is no official cutoff date. It's the same social environmental dynamics they're facing. So, yeah. I mean, what would All any right. today? I would say, I would say, um, keep your head in red pill awareness. Uh, oh, here it is. Make yourself your own mental point of origin. That I think is the number one thing that anybody needs to do, but particularly younger guys, because right now we teach our boys as if they're defective girls. Okay. And I think that if you're a, a, a man of this or a young man of this generation of this Z generation Z, um, you need to make yourself your own priority and don't feel bad in doing that. You need to be a practitioner of what I call enlightened self-interest, is that you cannot help anyone until you can help yourself. And then once you do that, then you can decide who it is that you want to, to help, but you can't help others as well as when you help yourself first. And so you need to knock this idea out of your head or knock, you need to knock womankind off the pedestal, not just a woman, but womankind off of the pedestal and replace that with yourself and make the decisions that you, you make, uh, they, your, your reflexive thought needs to be, how is this going to affect me? Rather than how's it going to affect my wife? How's it going to affect my girlfriend? How am I going to facilitate my relationship? You need to make yourself your number one ambition and your or your number one uh, you know thought in your head. That's why people ask me they 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 say, well, you know, what is mental point of origin? And it's it's actually down to the thought basis. So it's like when something comes into your life, it's like your first reflexive thought is how does this affect me? Because most guys don't do that. In fact, we're taught not to do that. Right. I would just say. Hit the gym. That's my, uh, that's it. Varietals, I look it up. It means wine. What type of wine? Oh, like? wine. Um, yeah. or your favorite. What is you your know, favorite? My favorite wine is Chianti, actually. Um, but uh, as far as brands and stuff, like there's a lot of really good, and this is going to sound really weird, there's a lot of good um, South African uh, wines coming out right now that are, are really good. They're very popular, put it that way. It's selling quite a bit of those. Um, but I, I, I tend to go for like the blood of the lamb kind of, uh, wines, you know, like I like really deep, rich reds and Chianti is probably my favorite. I, uh, my favorite would be rumplements, uh, because I can't, I don't, <laughs> wine just gives me, I can't do wine. I can't do wine. Uh, Fernando, hey, I used that when I was doing ballroom dancing and all that. It was a great way to not have bad breath while going face to face and cheek to cheek with a girl. Um, Fernando Covet writes, he doesn't have a question. Marriage is about making babies anyway. Never was about being hedonistic. I always go through. Hey, we might be free, Rolo. We might be free to go and continue working and. You know, it's funny is I, a lot of trad cons throw this at me. They think that like, because I advocate for like, um, some pickup artist stuff, they think, oh, you're just advocating for wanton hedonistic sex. And then I think one of the funniest things I've ever had thrown at me is that guys will say that any, this is trad cons, like any sex that you have that isn't about like procreation is just mm -hmm. an addiction. It's a drug addiction. That's what they oh. say. You knew I grew up, uh, uh, my dad was a pastor, right? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, I got, I got. Dude, the 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 canards I had told to me as a kid, and uh, yeah, you know, you don't don't. Oh, just we don't have time for it. We don't have time. For it. <laughs> um, all right, that's it for the super chest. Thank oh. God. Uh, not that I I'm against people giving us money. It's just because uh, I'm sure you got your things to do. I got my things to do, sure. and then I actually have to hit the gym. Um, let us go through very quickly. 
the sponsors here, and then I'll have you plug your stuff. Uh, basically, the main one. You guys all know my books. I'm, uh, you can find me on AaronClary.com, and we have Patreon and, and PayPal and all that other stuff. The quickest way to do it is go to CaptainCapitalism at Blogspot.com. The links are all there. If you feel like throwing money or shopping on Amazon supporting the show, you can go to OlderBrother.com slash donate, and there's the three main ways you can do that there. The... Where are the main ones? All right, the Pence Principle. All lessons, men, I'm sorry, lessons all men must learn, must learn from uh, Kavanaugh Ford, written by Randall Bentwick. Trade the Ratio by uh, Glorious Carl, if you guys are interested in investing in precious metals and gold. Get that book, Trade the Ratio. TheMensAdvocate.net. Rollo, I don't know if you ever heard of this site. You may want to take a look at it. Hmm. It's uh, Men's it's Advocate? For, yeah, it's for divorced men. Um, one of these days I'm going to get, uh, Terrence pop and rich Cooper and, uh, yeah. Glendon Cameron. I don't know if you know who Glendon Cameron is. Well, let me get those guys on there, but, um, cause I'm, I've never been divorced. I've never been married. So it's, it's a realm that's completely foreign to me though. I have seen many other men get sacked like a quarterback. Yeah. yeah rich, rich Cooper has a uh, thing he does on Mondays with, uh, Dr. Sean Smith, uh, on YouTube and it, it, he calls it before the train wreck. And it's like to help guys like make better decisions <laughs> when it comes to like, well, marriage and, and divorces. Actually he, this, the question we answered today would have been a great one for that show. Before the train. Here, I'm going to check out. I'm writing that down. I'm going to look up mystery. I'm gonna look up your state of the matter for, and then before the train. Before the train, it's Rich Cooper and Dr. Sean Smith. Yeah. Oh God, I see. I need this because I burn through all my podcasts, you know, relatively quickly. I go through about eight yeah, hours. You know, it's, uh, people keep hitting me up to to bring Terrence Pop on the Red Man Group, and I I think we probably will do that at some point. It's you know a, a lot of people say just for the listening audience. I mean, you say, oh, would it be great to be there on this show? Why don't you get on that show? It's like, well, one, you just don't bring your dick in and say, hey, let me come on your show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these guys are so busy. Like, uh, I don't know if you know any of these guys, but Terrence Pop is certainly busy. He's got two kids. Stex and Hammer. I know a lot of people say, oh, you should get on his show. And Stefan Molyneux, you know, like, yeah, I'll mm -hmm. just tell little Steffi Poo, hey, Steph, baby, you know, yeah. come on. So. Uh, Hey, let me get that. Uh, let me get that super chat real quick. Carlos Miranda said something. A roller write a fifth book on workplace and society. You know, if you want, if you want something about society, go pick up uh, my third book, Positive Masculinity. The first part of, I would say, well, actually, the first like third of Positive Masculinity is about uh, red pill parenting, and then the rest of it is society and the you know the village, you know, and how to combat that. So, I would uh, have a look at that real quick. Have a look at the third book if you're if you're interested in society or workplace. Or how how do, you, how do you apply red pill dynamics to to all that? Um, and then I always like to give a shout out to all the other podcasters that I listen to and have been kind enough to promote me. There's the 405media.com, Financial Survival Network with Kerry Lutz. Kanto Talks, starring Silvio Kanto. O'Shea Jackson. You got to visit him when you go over to Poland. You know O'Shea Jackson? I don't know. Um, when I go to Poland, it'll be in July. And the reason, like, I, I'm I'm so glad that that Anthony wanted to do Poland for a European uh conferences because i have a polish translation of the rational mail and the other books are being translated really? right now yeah and it's like it's real yeah i should i should show you a picture of it Wait a minute. absolutely we, we gorgeous about those guys that's right yeah i, I hit yeah. you up i said hey okay all right i remember that all right um economic invincibility jim fear 138.blogspot.com tj martinell small scale life world-class bullshitters entrepreneurs in cars uh non-communist science fiction.com the safety doc over at safetyphd.com. And then I have to <clears throat> recommend this one, pushing rubber downhill 
because the guy who writes that and also has a podcast there, Adam Pickett, he is a huge fan of yours. I know. I know. And, <laughs> and we, me and another buddy of ours, uh, uh, the great one, we just busted his balls. <laughs> so now that you've been on the show, we can even bust his balls some more. <laughs> so, all right, Rolo, tell us. I know you, you did it up front. Tell us the websites and plug all your stuff. Sure. You, your your uh, pinnacle works that everybody must read absolutely. or consult. Um, you can find me at therationalmail.com. That's my blog, and that is where I am the most active. Uh, there is at least one post every week, uh, and that's uh, that's sort of my flagship uh, project is always the, the Rational Mail. Uh, I have three books. I have The Rational Mail. Um, I have The Rational Mail uh, Preventive Medicine, and I have The Rational Mail Positive Masculinity. Uh, if you're going to uh, buy all three, start with the first one, which is just the rational mail. That's kind of like the rule book. Um, it's, it's, uh, people call it the, the red pill Bible. It's, it's what, it's the book you've probably been looking for. It really you know? is. It, it really is. Yeah. And, and I, I, I feel confident in saying that too, you know, especially when people like highlight it and, and keep coming back to it. It's a living text. You, you won't read it once and just put it back up and it's only $9.99. So I kept it intentionally cheap so people can get it um you can also find all three of those books on audible um all of them are read by my good friend sam bada uh who is a professional voice talent guy and also a good personal friend um so if you prefer to listen to them you can find all of them on audible uh the links to those i would prefer anybody listening to this if you're going to go click over don't just go to audible and search go look at the links on my sidebar on my my blog because those are my affiliate links and that's the only way i get any kind of well i mean i always get royalties but i i don't get any um like bounty links or anything like that for doing that so uh, i would appreciate it if you were going to do that and you wanted to start a new audible uh membership uh then go ahead and click through those links this is my affiliates uh then i am on the redman group every saturday at um well now we're at 11 a.m eastern 8 a.m pacific um we talk about all kinds of stuff we have we have 50 well we're on episode number 55 so there are at least 55 different episodes for you to check out um and and we talk about a variety of topics interrupt uh you guys you got ed Lattimore on Mm-hmm. Yes. You have uh, uh, we had stones on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No. You get you. It's a. It's a. We cool. have a. It's that's that was what we decided we wanted to do with it from the very beginning is we wanted to sort of um, you know build a platform for a lot. Well, first of all, for a lot of the speakers that were going to be at the twenty one convention, but for like the who's who of the manosphere. Like we have Ed Lattimore on there. We have uh, well, we've had you on there. Um, we've had uh, who else? We have, we have Ryan Stone on there. Uh, we have AJ Cortez has been on there. Um, myself, of course, Rich Cooper. Um, they're, they're just go look. We have so many, so many good guys on there. And it's, and we, what I try to do, like I, I, I do the scheduling and the planning and everything for it. And I, what I try to do is I try to come up with a good topic and then I try to pick the right guys who I think would be excellent on it. So if I, if we did something on game, maybe I'll get like uh, Andrew Tate or Christian McQueen or Goldman unleashed or whoever, you know, that I, I think would be good for that. And then like, if we're talking about marriage or we're talking about, you know, something else, and I've got a, 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 we've got a huge variety of guys that can speak, you know, 
authoritatively on a lot of different topics. So check that out. Um, that's that's the Red Man Group. It's on YouTube. You can also find my channel, which is the uh, just I, I just go under Rolla Tomasi for um, for my own YouTube channel, which is uh, the shows that I have is called the Red Pill 101, and that's like remedial Red Pill. Or if you're just like new to all this, that's your show. If you have questions or you think, oh, Rolla didn't think about that, man. What did you say about this? That's where you're going to find those answers. Um, I've been doing this for a long. I've been riding in the manosphere. What's the manosphere for 18 years now? About 18. Yeah, that's I mean, if you it want wasn't to called. Yeah, I wasn't called. It wasn't called the manosphere back then. But uh, so I do that, and then also I do that with a guy named Pat Campbell, who's a very good friend of mine, and he will also be speaking at the uh, 21 convention at both of them. Uh, and he is a terrestrial radio show host on a Fox affiliate in um, Oklahoma. And I do a live radio show with him on, uh, you can also pick it up on the online, but it is at uh, 9.05 Eastern in the morning on Friday mornings is when my segment is. Uh, I'm sure that everybody who is a fan of yours will really like that show too. Um, it's right up your alley. In fact, if you hadn't, I don't, I don't know if you've heard me and Pat before, but that's a, Dude, you know how it is. Like, yeah, I, you don't want to get up that early. I don't want to get up. I have to get up at four o'clock to do that. It's not even. Now I'll, I'll go look because I I could always use some new podcasts. But you don't even know half these things are out there because there's so many content, uh, new content creators coming out, and it's like, oh, I got it. So it's kind of like word from my. I've already written down three ones I'm going to listen to here. Yeah. Uh, but then after a while, you know, I kind of. I want to unplug from from the industry for a while and and binge on comic book geekery type of yes. podcast. So that's yes. that's kind of why. Same, same here, same here. So I feel useless. <laughs> like, oh, okay, better get out of work. Um, right. And I have a fourth book forthcoming, oh. um, which will hopefully be published in October. Um, it is going to be the red pill and religion is the number one thing I have been petitioned to write about um, and just how red pill and intersexual dynamics fit into. Uh, I originally started it as sort of a, a, uh, an essay to speak to um, guys in evangelical Christian culture. And then people found out that I was writing about religion. And so like everybody came out of the woodwork and they're like, Oh, what about Mormons? What about Islam? What about Jews? What about uh, Hindus? What about Buddhists? You know, they, they wanted to throw all this kind of stuff out there. So it, when it comes out, it's, it's going to be my writing, but it's going to be a collaborative group effort amongst the manosphere. Once it's out. Are you uh, going to enlist the help of Dalrock by chance? Uh, that was actually my in initial intent was to, I have him as a, uh, contributor right now, but he, I, I originally wanted to have him co-author with me. Like we were both going to do it together, but he very, he's very private and he, he values his anonymity and I can't even get him on, uh, on any of my podcasts and he and I are, are pretty good friends. Um, okay. so we, we do everything by email and, um, I will be borrowing heavily from Del Rock's stuff for that section for sure. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank Rolo. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. Everybody go check out his site. Uh, and that's about it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into the show. Uh, welcome to all uh, Rolo Tomasi's uh, guests who came over uh, as per her, his uh, retweet. And uh, yeah, uh, we will see you guys later. And as always, toodles. Cool. Thanks, guys.